thrilled to have Clayton Bellamy on the podcast. Been excited for this one for a while because uh, Clayton is likely to say something highly controversial that's going to make this podcast go viral. So um, <laughs> no pressure, Clayton. No pressure at all. Jason's shooting my mouth off. So <laughs> You're a passionate guy. It's what makes you such a great artist. Um, and you're on location today. What are you up to? Uh, we're shooting new material for the congregation, which is my my rock and roll project I've been working on the last few years. So uh, I have new music that um, I'm in the midst of recording. And, you know, you know what it's like being in in, uh, in Canada trying to get uh, visual content. You only have so many months of the year where it's not covered in snow. So, you know, planning for six months from now uh, for a new music launch, I need to get content now. So we're, uh, we're kind of going around to some, uh, some cool locations around Northern Alberta getting, uh, you know, this is, this project has been more, uh, of an art project more than it is just strictly music. I'm, we're not filming a music video We're we're getting these little vignettes and creating, uh, just really interesting visual art out of it, which has been a really exciting departure from what, uh, you know, the standard, kind of is in the industry right now so so how does it differ like what what would you say is it is it a bit more cinematic is it a bit more um uh does it have a bit more of a storyline or less of a storyline than a typical music video definitely cinematic and and no storyline so much as we're trying to get across a vis of like a visceral emotion out of people uh a reaction you know right I saw some of the the earlier stuff i did on the last album you know weird stuff like walking you know walking down the road dragging a shovel and these crazy you know shots of of uh you know a burning church or a, or a, like different right. kind of pieces that we get in together and just we're making art a visual art out of out of uh to go along with the music rather than than uh, hey here's me playing my guitar again for you know the upteenth time that I've done that over the years, this is just something completely different. We're just really just trying to get a, a reaction out of people, not, not for the sake of getting a reaction, but we're trying to stir up emotion. Right. And you've been very diversified across a number of different projects. I know this has been the priority right now, but you've also obviously done really well with road hammers. Uh, you've dabbled in the black mountain whiskey rebellion world. Um, being that, creative and that diversified across that many realms and that many bands um how have you been able to prioritize all of that is it sort of project by project or like how do you make it happen well first of all i'm very disorganized so it's difficult <laughs> i'm not i'm not a hyper organized guy like you jim i uh, i'm kind of all over the place but that uh it plays well into my kind of artist brain that that kind of squirrel thing where I can, I want to jump from one thing to the next to the next because it, it keeps my creative juices flowing. I, I get bored easily. And, and uh, for a long time, I just would do that, just stick to one thing. Hey, I'm just Clayton Bellamy or I'm just a road hammer. And a few years back, I just really decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And that, you know, to diversify was, uh, it was diversify or die pretty much too. And, in, in just a, as far as a, um, just a, a career wise and, and, you know, financially I needed to have a bunch of things going and, and, right. and that I started doing was, was, was just branching out and, and taking, uh, just saying yes to everything. The, the power of yes to me is really something that's, that's very tangible. Like when, you know, when I say no to something, I know exactly what I'm going to get. 
But when I say yes, I don't know what could happen. Anything could happen. And, and I love that excitement and that feeling. So um, I, unless, I, unless I can't do something and I have to say no, I'll always say yes and see where that trail is going to take me. Sometimes the trail goes cold, but sometimes you get like Black Mountain Whiskey Rebellion. You know, you get a song that, that becomes a hit and your, your face is in Rolling Stone magazine. And, and, and that's all because of a, one conversation where I just said, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'll do that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's also speaks to your multi-dimensional appeal as an artist. You know, the fact that you can be yourself, but uh, place yourself in all these situations successfully too. Do you ever find though that that being a part of so many projects sometimes takes your focus away from things you love to do? Like, is there is there a, a dichotomy of downside to the idea of being um, uh, interested in so many things at one time? Um, does that factor into it for you too? Uh, I, I mean, there, there's two sides to that for me. One is just like the physical side of getting rest, taking care of myself, you know, having right. to work out and to be with my kids and, and doing that. There's, there's that. And there's also the, uh, you know, and re-energize creatively, you know, cause all of that stuff that plays into being, having a fresh creative mind, being, being well-rested and, and good mental state uh the other side of it too is you know there are there is pushback i do get it from you know my manager at times from the industry of well what is clayton bellamy or who are you are you a uh you know are you this rock and roller are you this country singer are you you know what are you and and i at that part i really push against constantly because does anybody ask madonna what she is when she constantly reinvents herself you know, or Lady Gaga, or not that I'm Lady Gaga or Madonna, but, uh, you know, that, that idea of, you don't, you know, I'm making art. I'm not, you know, I'm not making it for industry or, or for, or someone who wants to put me in a box. I'm doing this, you know, first of all, it comes out of selfish motivation of I'm doing this for me. And secondly, uh, uh, I, I don't want to be confined to, oh, I have to be this or it, you have to just do that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's led to a, a very, I find a very uh, um, fulfilling career thus far. Right. And you cited some great examples there, but uh, those who are on the vanguard of change and doing their own thing are often misunderstood at first. You know, look at Elvis, look at Waylon Jennings, you know, look at Johnny Cash, you know, today, even if you look at artists who are um, not, entirely recently but more recently in the last 20 years you know a kid rock it's like what is it is it southern rock is it rap is it country is it it, it doesn't matter it's yeah. just good the consumers gravitate towards it so as an artist you want to keep doing that but you also want to find your lane so that you know how to market and you know where to market and i would imagine given what you do and all of the different um, vehicles that are available now to market music, you're in a better position than ever because you can really figure out who's going to get you and go to them directly through through some digital channels rather than wait, waiting for terrestrial radio to pick up a single and break it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've had a, a lot of success at that over, over the years. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that, you know, with the hammers, with the road hammers, we've, we've had that kind of terrestrial radio success and that major kind of market acceptance 
which allows me to do all of these other things, you know. Um, so, but I, I do love that, you know, the being that, that creativeness of, of, of just doing that thing and letting people find you and you finding them. So let's go back to the origin story of the Road Hammers, because I think that's most of the audience is going to be very familiar with you in, in all realms. But there's going to be a lot of people who really know you from the Road Hammers world. What was it like back in, what was it, 2004 when Jason uh, approached you on this idea? And, and I know that at that point, you'd already established yourself as this, this outlaw country rock star and uh, there must have been a real point of contemplation for you to go, geez, do I want to start this new project or do I want to keep doing what I'm doing? Yeah, uh, there definitely was that. I, I had a regional success, you know, in Western Canada and and obviously was working very hard to try and turn that into a, a you know, national or international um, success. And I had been reproaching uh, twice. Jason approached um, Jolene Modiak, who was kind of co-managing me at the time and, right. and twice had blown him off. I actually was in a place where I had a baby. I was expecting my first uh, child, my son, uh, and I was not having very good luck, you know, where my music was going and everything was not happening. And I was actually looking at quitting altogether and possibly even buying a bar. I didn't know what I was going to do, but music was not paying the bills. And I, I knew that you know, I, I had to, uh, I had to do something different because I had a baby on the way. I had to take care of this tiny human. So uh, it's funny how the, the universe works, you know, gives you just what you need just uh, at the right time. And, and, uh, and that's exactly what happened. I went finally and met with Jason. We talked about the project and it sounded cool. And by all accounts, everyone involved at the time thought well this is just so like this we're going to take a block of a year and do this thing it's a one-off thing that that's going to be this cool trucker rock southern rock album a concept album of a band for jason and and after that we're all going to go back to our our separate corners and and do our thing well we we from the time i said yes and uh to that project to the time we released the record was about six months. We re we wrote and recorded it. We we filmed the first season of the Roadhammers TV show, did the video, and we did everything. And within that six months, it the whole thing exploded. And you know, it ended up being a a, a number one TV show on CMT, a number one record, a platinum record. You know, it, it it was just on and on and on with the with the awards and the. It was such a whirlwind to, to go from relative obscurity you know, pining away in, in uh, Bonneville, Alberta to suddenly this, you know, success that, that not only eclipsed anything that any of us had done, but it also, it went further than that into international success and signing a deal with Sony in the U.S. and, and moving down to Nashville and, and, and the, the decade that followed there, writing and recording. And so it, it just kind of completely exploded from this little small town kid and and opened my eyes to a, a larger side of the business that I didn't, I, I, not only that I did not understand, but I couldn't see from my per, small town perspective, right. kind of grinding away like this with the blinders on until that happened. And it just went poof. I'm like, Oh, wow. This is how it works. Okay. Yeah. And it, uh, it gave you a springboard to do so many other things because it instantly propelled you into a place of uh, at least national recognition. 
Absolutely. And it, it opened up so many doors to opportunities. And now 15 years later, we're still a band and it's, it's still all of our main priorities, which is uh, so funny. I, I, I just was listening to another podcast the other day and they were interviewing uh, Huey Lewis. They're asking him about success and how, you know, he became successful. And, and his, his re response was, if you want to get successful, find success, stop trying to be successful. And that's exactly what we were doing. And, and I've seen that lightning strike over and over again in my career when I'm involved in a project, whenever you're not trying, it's just, we're doing this strictly out of, this is something we think is really cool and really fun. And we believe in it. And this spirit is there. And whenever that is there, that I, I always feel like that equates is going to equate to some kind of success because it, because no one's trying, you're just doing, this is just, we did that album strictly the, the way it laid out was because we thought it was cool. And this is what we wanted to do at that moment in time. And people uh, gravitated towards it. They, they could relate and they it connected with them. And the black mountain uh, album was the exact same way. We, we went in there with just the spirit of, of friendship and, and, just creativity and this all we wanted to do is make a really cool record for ourselves and because of that that i think it connects with people right i think that's a that's a brilliant piece of advice out there especially for young artists you know like if you think about everybody uses the word authenticity it gets overused but what it really means is doing something without giving a fuck what anybody thinks that's Absolutely. really what authenticity is like if you boil it down it's like i'm going to do this because i think this is amazing and if people get it, they get it. And if they don't, I'm good with it, you know? And, and the other thing is it, it, it's an antidote to desperation, which as you know, and as we all know in life and in business can really steer people on a path to make bad decisions, especially your young artists. You've been grinding away independently for a long time. And, and all of a sudden people start approaching you you know, it's pretty easy if you're driven by desperation to make the wrong decision rather than sit and wait and go, I'm going to have standards and I'm going to work with the exact team I want, or I'm going to keep doing this myself, you know, and yeah. you've been able to do that as well. You've always worked with the people you've wanted to work with. I've also, you know, I've also worked out of that place too. Like you say, um, I've had to learn most of my lessons the hard way and, and I have made records and tried to promote records from that place out of that desperation of, I need this to work. And I, this, I'm going to, I'm going to write and sing these songs because these people are telling me this is what's going to be a success. And I need to have this and that. And, uh, and those, those records were, you know, creatively and, and, uh, you know, financially a flop. They, they did, they did horrible. And that was because it was the wrong spirit. And I, and having that, when you're creating, like you said, that, that people can smell that a mile away and, right. and you need to have that, um, be in that place where you're making music that that's honest. Like you said, with authenticity and whatever uh, genre it is, it has to be, it has to be from here first. Otherwise, if it's too much from here, it, it, it always falls flat. Always right. comes up. People will hear it, but they won't feel it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I think too, that's, that's interesting that in this day and age, you would take a 10 piece band and put together a rock band called the congregation because everybody's trying to downsize, especially now with COVID and, 
you know, uh, uh, put out creative projects that have sort of less moving parts. And yet you've gone the opposite direction uh, against the grain as usual with this project. So tell us a little bit about the impetus and the idea behind that. Yeah, well, the idea for the congregation was I wanted it to be like this rock and roll church, like a um, something that's that's always has, like you said, moving parts where there's people coming in and out all the time, different musicians, special guests. And I wanted it to, my, my elevator pitch was that the congregation is a rock and roll tent revival. It's, it's right. an experience that brings people in and makes them part of this kind of circus, kind of like a reminiscent of um, Joe Cocker, Mad Dogs and Englishmen, um, you know, that kind of big, crazy rolling, uh, circus for lack of a better term. And, and, and that's kind of what we created with the horns and the background singers and, and, um, and it, it much to, uh, you know, many sometimes promoters or my managers chagrin and they're like, ah, you know, getting a 10 piece band out on the road. But the cool thing about the concept is that it can sometimes be a three piece band. It can sometimes be a, a 15 piece band. It can, it, there is no confines with it. It, it, it it's always moving, and and the, the the different when people expect a different experience all the time with it, it keeps them coming back. It's a bit of that, you know, uh, jam band mentality. If you see, if you you know, familiar with Government Mule or the Almond Brothers and those kinds of things, there sometimes it's a great big band, sometimes it's a small band, sometimes you know, John Mayer sitting in, and the next time you know. Uh, Cheryl Crow is in is in sitting in the band. It, it it's it's kind of taking a little bit of that, but but with a little bit more of that pop uh, sensibility of the of the music. Right. It's 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 a malleable concept in terms of what you're putting on the road potentially. And uh, are you looking to follow this album up with another album and and continue on and and um, uh, potentially put out several records under this moniker? Is that what you're looking to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's what we're in the process of right now, recording some new music um, and, and, you know, new video to continue this trail down the, you know, a, an alter ego of mine being the, the preacher man in this congregation. So hence the, the get up today. Uh, but it's not, I don't really feel like when I take the stage in the congregation that I'm Clayton Bellamy, I'm playing yeah. art as the, the preacher man, almost like, you know, like Alice Cooper is not, he's Alice Cooper when he's on stage. Um, right. Kind of uh, almost uh, that kind of idea where I'm really trying to take this one little kind of piece of my personality and magnify it to 11 for 90 minutes of a, of a, of a concert, you know? Right. You're embodying a persona. And uh, I think I read in an interview, it's less sex, drugs, rock and roll and more peace, love and understanding. Yeah. Yeah, the peace, love, and rock and roll. That's 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 yeah. exactly, uh, um, and and that's really kind of the vibe we're, we're trying to trying to bring this kind of uh, all encompassing, inclusive thing that you know if you weren't if you don't know you don't know you know if you weren't there you didn't experience it you've got to go and experience it for yourself and see it and uh, and and I've only a few times in my career have I been involved in projects where you know you you know right away that you're hitting the mark because we'll play a show and instantly we get a, a this visceral reaction from people they just lose their minds you know it's partly it's the music partly it's this you know 
being blasted with this huge band and all of these people and the things going on, uh, but they, they don't know the songs. They don't know what's really happening, but they are sold right away. Right. And uh, that's the ultimate acid test, isn't it? You know, like if, if you think music is great and, and we often get into these little cocoons and bubbles in the industry, and then you go play it live and get that affirmation from an audience. It's like, okay, we're on to something. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we've been landing on. So that's what's kept me kind of pushing down this trail. It's like, you know, I know not everybody's caught on yet, but I know I'm right. I'm, I have, I've been doing this too long to, to second guess my gut. Like I, so I'm, I'm, I know that this is the, the right way to go. And that's, that's where I'm headed. Right. And do you think that this, this format, this concept might translate better in a place that has more uh, cultural tie to it, like the Southern U.S. I mean, I know you did a sold out show at the Cannery in Nashville um, uh, last fall before the shit hit the fan. So do you think this is one of those shows that that actually might translate better in that region? Uh, we actually, yes. In, in fact, um, there and one place that we're kind of concentrating this next um kind of a page of the congregation is going to be in Europe. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, especially rock and roll right now in, in places like the UK and Germany is still thriving and starting to see a real resurgence in that uh, bands like, you know, the lazies or the rival sons and uh, Cadillac three are doing really, really well in these kind of places where rock and roll is still, accepted and, and really looked upon as, as a, as a, as a great art form. And, and yeah, that, I, I always roll my eyes when the critics say rock and roll is dead. It's like, it never dies. You idiots. It just morphs. It yeah, just changes, it has, right. I think there is a spirit of it though, that, that has been kind of lost in, in this kind of new era of hipster shoegazing kind of music that they're calling rock and roll. Uh, I, I don't, you know, what's, what's missing in rock and roll that makes rock and roll cool is the personality. There's no personalities. It's so homogenized that, you know, that no one's stepping out and being, being cool or being weird or being different. There's no, there's no, you know, or, ra or rarely, it's a lot more rare to see a, a Bowie type or somebody like a, you know, you don't see any stooges. You don't see any right. these kinds of personalities kind of coming out. And uh, that's very much where what I'm, you know, trying to bring back the rock and roll front man. Right. Like, where's the next Steven Tyler? Where's the next Iggy Pop? Like, I, I get what you're saying, because if you look at, at some of the bands that are experiencing success in that format right now, first off, they do borderline on pop a lot. Um, you know, and some of them even cross over, uh, and then, and then you've got, you know, you've got this band that's built around a brand of a band, but you're right. The front man is not what the front man was in the seventies. Bit yeah, of a disconnect. And I, I think that that's personally, that's what's missing is that danger and that excitement, uh, at a rock and roll show. Like, do you think political correctness has anything to do with that? Or like, like where, where do you think? What cultural influences is pushing back on the boisterous front man that we're all accustomed to in the rock and roll world? What do you think I, it is? I think that, 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 I mean, there's a certain, 
like let's be honest there's a certain amount of uh correcting that we need to do for on that you know uh, in that world especially with the me too movement and 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 the way women are portrayed and uh treated in the music industry that's a whole other conversation but all of those social correctness things yeah need to change but i think there's been so much in over the last few years just kind of like you said social pressure that nobody really wants to say anything too inflammatory do anything too wild because nobody wants to ruffle any feathers and what all that does is that that takes out it to me it just takes out the the the, the wind out of people's sails to just be like hey we didn't come here to to we came here to fucking let loose man let's be crazy right. that's what the whole thing about a rock concert is you know well I, mick, mick jagger made, made a living out of ruffling feathers you know like i mean it's essentially in the beginning now obviously their fan base is completely different but when they started that's what it was all about yeah exactly speaking your mind is used to be something that that was a healthy thing and and look you know looked upon favorably and now it's kind of like oh geez don't don't say your opinion god forbid you put your opinion online like you're you're gonna get in a lot of trouble yeah but that's that's also unfortunate because i think that you know that i understand the social pressure argument and and i understand the humanity and societal evolution argument i get it there's changes we have to make we can all be better for sure but in those movements, you are going to have some people who lag behind and, and maybe instead of canceling those people or attacking them, you know, we should we should have a little bit of patience and, and a bit of a pathway to redemption to help them catch up to the rest of us. You know, and and, and I worry a little bit about it because I think you touched on a really good point. You know, you should be able to say what you want to say, especially if you want to come from a place of authenticity, which is really at the root of successful art, you know? So I worry a little bit about how political correctness, when it's weaponized and when it forces people to stay silent, how that may at some point have an effect on art overall and people's inability then to, uh, listen, I'm not saying people should stand up and say misogynistic shit just for the sake of it and just for attention, um, but you know, some of that stuff is going to ride the line and make people uncomfortable. And listen, sometimes art inspires you, but sometimes it inspires you while taking you out of your comfort zone. And, and I don't want to lose that. Exactly. You're, you're, you're exactly right. And I a hundred percent agree. Um, and, and now there's also, I think something that's lost on, on people nowadays is that, you know, I know we're kind of getting off the music track here, but that, that, you and I can disagree and still have respect for each other and, uh, and, and a come away from something knowing that, Hey, just because we're not on the same page or we haven't reached the same level doesn't mean that we won't, or it doesn't mean that we have to at this moment. I can, you know, if you're not hurting me and I'm not hurting you, like, I don't have to agree with you. I can, I can have my way of, of it and you can have yours too. Like, and that seems to be kind of lost on people nowadays where it's just like well if you don't agree with me you're fucking wrong or you're bad and it's like mm, right. no, i'm not i'm still a good person i just don't see things the way you see them and that's okay it's all right well the best the best relationships have some give and take 
right? Like you need a manager who's going to push back on you once in a while. You need a wife who's going to push back on you once in a while. No, when you're being no, an I asshole. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> yes. You, you more than anybody. No, just kidding. Um, but, I'll find one. I'll find one. People, people do need someone to step up and go, hey, listen, uh, I'm willing to hear you out on this, but I think you might have a corrupted thought pattern on this particular issue or whatever it is, right? Like it can all be done from a spirit of respect. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we've lost is the ability to just, just have conversations and maintain our cool and, and work through issues and find compromises you know, rather than look to dominate when I think a big pro- part of the problem is social media, right? Like if you're arguing with somebody on social media, you're not just debating a point you're putting on a fucking show. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit ugly, but, uh, and listen, this podcast is about music, but it's also about everything outside of music. So, um, that's, that's what makes it so fun. So it's great to hear your opinions on these things too. Well, thanks, man. I love talking about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's chat a little bit about the CCMA. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we've we've had lots of co- conversations about the CCMA and it, it, particularly the roots category. And and, you know, I think there could be some some work done in that category to change some of the qualifying criteria. And I know you echo that view. Um, if you were in charge, what do you think we should be doing differently at the Canadian Country Music Association in the roots category to make sure that we're we're representing uh, nominees who actually exist in that space. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll preface my comments with the, the fact that I, I think overall the CCMA is doing a good job. They it, they they take on a lot of work, and 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 they're you know they're trying to wrap up a whole a whole country plus international artists and all of the things that they do every year. Um, they should get me to host it. Is what they should do if they were really smart. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, we'd I, have to move it to HBO. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you mean I wear my buttless chaps on? Oh. <laughs> uh, I I do have I do take a, um, somewhat of a, a of a stance though when it comes to the the CCMA and the uh, and the roots category, just for the the fact that the artists in that category can't really qualify for anything else but that category it's it's a it's a fringe left of center um thing that's set for artists who 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 don't really live on terrestrial commercial pop country radio they don't have any other outlet this is their outlet to kind of stand out and to shine and be recognized and what's been happening in my opinion in the last few years is that artists that don't belong in that space are are using that as a platform to get more nominations to just be able to say oh yeah look at we've got 15 nominations and one more is the the roots category you know or um and it, it it's not fair to the artists who who actually belong there and who are don't have any you know other outlets that accept that one uh, but because of block voting and all of these other things major the the majors are pushing their artists into this world where they don't belong and i don't know how you set up criteria for that but it it really needs to be fixed because it's getting embarrassing and very frustrating to to everybody in the room when when pop country artists who 
who are you know enjoying pop success and good for them they deserve it they if they work hard and, and they're getting success but you that is not your forum that is not the, the place that you belong and it, right it, I, I see what you're saying it, it would be like like luke bryan winning an americana country award exactly right? it'd be like oh, listen never, luke does what he does no problem with that but that wouldn't be an appropriate place for him to win male artist of the year ab- absolutely that that's exactly it and that's kind of how it how it makes the whole award look and especially i live a lot in that world i work a lot with those artists i've been you know, blessed to be nominated as Roots Artist of the Year before, and and it's it's a big honor. But if you're that artist and you get that nomination, and then you see Luke Bryan also nominated in that category, well, first of all, it's 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 kind of takes the deflating to know that there's no way that you're going to win over this major label artist who's been also nominated in the category. They might not belong there, but you right. know they're going to win. And it, the, the only the only counter argument to that, Clayton, I think, is you know every once in a while you get these these artists, especially in Canada. And you've been part of a project with the Roadhammers that was left of center, but also commercially viable, right? Uh, especially in Canada, because especially in the country format, we we're a little more open up here to what I would call Canadian influence. So you get a core blonde, and that's. That's a Roots record, but maybe it gets airplay or you get a washboard union who's got a bit more of a rootsy feel to what they do, right? So um, I hear what you're saying. I think it's a valid complaint, but it's like, how do we get around those situations where people are putting out something that's a bit more of a Roots record, but they're having massive commercial appeal and success as well? Yeah, that, and and that's probably a uh, a a problem to be solved by smarter people than me. Uh, I don't. I don't know how you get around that, except that I think being tighter on the criteria as far as what qualifies as a roots artist. You know, having you know having washboard in your band doesn't necessarily make it roots. Uh, and I, I I think that there should be some kind of uh, stricter criteria in that in that category to to really draw out the people like. Kelly Prescott and JJ Shiplett and Donovan Woods, who are 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 making great music that needs to be recognized, and right. uh, I don't think we'll we'll never mix with with what's going on on country radio. And if if that's your focus, then it should be there, and and the other one should be over here, and they, it should uh, the two paths. I don't think. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions, I guess, but I don't think that the two paths should really cross. Right. Right. No, I hear what you're saying. And I guess that also, you know, it's a good reminder, like, what does a CCMA mean in that world? You know, like, does it matter to Donovan Woods to win a Canadian Country Music Award, um, given what his overall mandate and plan might be? You know, does it potentially uh, take away from his cool factor, you know, that he's established in the singer songwriter world? Like, it's hard to say, too, because I hear what you're saying on the, on the macro of the problem, but individually it's like probably a lot of these artists who might actually qualify for a CCMA roots uh, award may not actually want one too, you know, like. Absolutely. Right. I could be the only guy getting upset about it, just sitting at home going, well, that's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what, that, 
that's all good. And, and it's good to have these conversations because sometimes, sometimes it just, uh, it allows, uh, especially people who are on the board and I'm not on the board anymore, but it allows them an opportunity to get some insight from someone who's been in the industry as long as you have worked in multiple different facets and, 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 you know, the board and the governing body of the CCMA needs to be, you know, very aware of what the front line feels, what the artists are feeling in terms of the process and the categories. And I've always said, and I used to say this when I'm on the board, people can deal with losing. They can't deal with losing if they feel like the game is rigged. So absolutely true. Yeah. And, and I guess for me, that's a little bit how sometimes how I felt lately with that, with that category. That, that that when when certain when artists come in that have this big commercial success on pop radio and it seems like that's the focus but they're still nominated in the roots category it feels a little bit like that wow i mean come on that that's not really roots that shouldn't be in that living in that world right well, and some bands too, and you mentioned the Washboard Union. I, I love those guys, but they also, they've evolved their sound a bit from where they were, say, you know, seven, eight years ago to where they are now. Like they have Absolutely. changed and they've started to appeal more to radio. So now is there a, is there a way that we could reclassify them or is it worthy to reclassify them based on the last record and maybe not where they started? You know, I think that's, that's an argument that's got to be factored in as well. Yeah, and those guys are good friends of mine, and I love what they do, you know. Uh, and I, I think it's just something to be cognizant of, you know, more than yes. anything. And uh, uh, moving forward as as everything continues to evolve, and and everyone's art is is always changing, you know. And and that's that's the great thing about it. I'm, you know, myself included. We were just talking about that and how how it, it's you know, you're, you're, you're moving and on and always pushing against those, those boundaries. And I'm not alone in that. So, you know, if, if something belongs there, it should be there. And if it doesn't, then it should, the, the criteria I think should just be, you know, laying it out so that everybody knows. Right. Right. And, and I think this CCMA has done a great job over the years of doing everything they can to create uh, uh, as many, um, bylaws as they can to mitigate block voting, to uh, mitigate um, all of the problems that, that, you know, are created when the results of the award show itself just doesn't mirror what's happening in the marketplace. And, and that was always my concern with the CCMA. And, and, you know, it's like if the marketplace is one place and our award show is somewhere else, at some point people are going to stop tuning in. You know, we're going to we're going to push away viewers. And so we have to make sure that that we have this very small constituency and we have this weird ass popularity contest within the constituency to determine winners. And so they started to layer in more, you know, streams, sales, valuable criteria. And uh, and so far we're seeing that, you know, there's still some some things to be fixed. And I think you pointed to one of them. But uh, by and large, there aren't those those weird ass out of nowhere wins like there, there have been um, in previous right. years, right? It's gotten better and better. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's always a work in progress, just like the rest of us. And vote for Clayton Bellamy. 
Retarded. There you go. <laughs> All right. Shameless plug. I love uh, it. So um, what's, what's, what's on the horizon for you for the next five years? What's the five-year plan in the Clayton Bellamy world? Uh, you know, especially with this, uh, the whole um, advent of our, our new reality, which has been in the last six months, um, my, my world has really shifted into not just thinking about, you know, you know, record, tour, rinse, repeat, you know, album cycle, album cycle, and, and really have gotten into working more with artists and producing, writing content for, you know, not just music anymore. I've been, I've been writing for, for movies and soundtracks and, and been, you know, writing and help creating and finding visions for other artists and, and, and really kind of starting to drill into, you know, mind that kind of, um, stuff and and why don't you plug an artist project why, why don't you plug an artist project that you're working with that you're currently really excited about uh yeah well i mean lately uh mitch Merritt and i just finished producing and co-writing an album with a band called l nivens and the alibi and that's that's exactly the kind of um thing that i'm talking about is finding a, a this this band that's just clearly a diamond in the rough this this amazing kind of uh alt country rock thing and 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 really bringing the vision to life and 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 getting it out there and you know they they're just in the midst of uh, um, signing a, a a deal in Australia they've got a you know we've got some some things going on with a, a song plugging company in New York and they're they're just you know they're right there on the on the verge of of it all kind of coming together and it's it's really exciting to be a part of that and and it also feeds my my other you know creative needs and 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 stuff so so i see in five years doing a lot more of that kind of stuff uh, uh including my own little projects but always having more and more you know creative outlets and growing that amazing man well you're uh you're clearly gifted in that domain you've got so much wisdom that's that's so valuable to young artists and artists coming up and artists looking to make a name for themselves as well so uh god bless you for finding a way to give that back Thanks a million, man. I, 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 that's one thing that I, you know, I think you're the same way that you don't, you don't get to this point without, without sharing the wealth, you know, and I, I've always been a big believer in that, 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 uh, we're all kind of doing this, trying to, trying to climb the same ladder and, and, and you gotta, you gotta help each other along the way. Cause that's, you know, ultimately we're, we're on this earth for a, a very short amount of time and, and that, and, and, leaving a good impression on people and, and doing good as you're going along on the trail together is, is just the only way to roll in my mind. How you're remembered, right? Amen. My grandfather used to say, your name is like a record and anybody can pick it up and play it at any time. So, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, that when I'm gone, that the, the record they play is, is a good one. So that's, uh, that's always, always how I try to roll, whether it's, you know, professionally or personally, I just, uh, Try, try and keep that, that, that record rolling in a good way. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up with those wise words from your grandpa. Thanks for taking the time today, Clayton. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks a million for having me. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the shoot. We'll talk to you soon.